Oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. Hi, and welcome to the Stop Chasing Skinny podcast. Today we have Sarah, and Sarah is a physical therapist, and she's not just any physical therapist. She has a really cool background. Um, Sarah used to live here in the Charleston area, and that's how we met, so we got to meet in person, which was really, really cool. Um, Sarah is an adventure athlete, so she does lots of things like rock climbing and um, kiteboarding and things like that. So Sarah has been in practice for, how long has it been, Sarah? It's been like 15 years or so, right? Um, so to the show, Sarah. Thank you. So can you tell us just a little bit more about your background? Um, like I said, it's been pretty extensive and you have a variety of experiences behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out as a personal trainer back in 1999 and, uh, really enjoyed that and, worked as a personal trainer through PT school in my summers and undergrad, and then graduated from physical therapy school in 2005. And then in 2008, I went back for my doctorate. Uh, I've been practicing as an orthopedic physical therapist doing sports rehab uh, and post uh, rehab training for about well over 10 years now, but 15 years in the industry. That's incredible. So we call you, do we call you Dr. Duval or do we call you Dr. Sarah? Well, it depends if you're listening to my advice at the moment. <laughs> if you're not, you have to call me doctor. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really impressive. So um, we brought you on today to talk about something that um, has, we've seen a lot of it on social media, um, a lot of blog posts about it and things like that, but I've seen conflicting information. So, um, and I hear this from some of my clients too. So we're going to talk about pelvic floor strength. Um, I'm not familiar with it at all. <laughs> so this is going to be a learning <laughs> experience for me as well. Um, so what is the pelvic floor? Well, the pelvic floor is basically just a sling of muscle. So you would think of any other muscles in your body, uh, maybe your glutes, uh, anything else. So they're muscles that need to be talked about. So it's nothing, uh, you know, crazy embarrassing or super fancy. It's just muscles. Well, that's good to know because, I mean, I, I, some of my clients get upset when I make them do too many uh, jumping rope, jumping jacks, things like that. So <laughs> um, I don't have any children yet, so I'm not quite as familiar. But this doesn't just affect women who have had children, right? So why is knowing about your pelvic floor important? Okay. Well, learning about your pelvic floor is important um, because the pelvic floor feeds off of the rest of the kinetic chain in your body. So let's say your glutes are weak, it's going to affect your pelvic floor. Um, a lot of people with pelvic floor weakness end up with SI joint pain, which a lot of people have without even having kids. So yeah. that could be throwing because your pelvic floor helps to prevent lateral instability of the SI. So basically, you think of like a pulling on that SI joint. So it's basically the bottom stabilizer for your pelvis. So if you're missing strength in the bottom stabilizer for your pelvis, it's going to affect the rest of your pelvis. That's really interesting because a lot of women end up having a lot of problems with hips and specifically the SI mm -hmm. joint. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, and people right. wait until it's really bad. So I am not entirely convinced that people don't have pelvic floor issues way before they ever have kids. 
Yeah. Or they're not related to kids at all, and it's coming out in other other areas, diaphragm dysfunction, uh, SI joint pain, um, and not just incontinence. I think by the time you get to the incontinence issue, it's actually a bad problem. Okay. So let's talk about, that's really great information. Let's talk about um, some of these other things. So you mentioned just a few right there with the SI joint issues, um, incontinence, anything else that um, might be presenting itself that the listener might go, oh, I have that. Maybe I should check out my pelvic floor um, strength or start doing some of these exercises. Absolutely. Well, in my profession, I look at things at different levels. So you've got extreme levels of dysfunction and pain, you know, where somebody is going to be going to a pelvic floor PT, um, where they don't know how to contract their pelvic floor muscles. They don't know how to do a Kegel. Um, they don't know, you know, maybe they are suffering from incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse. So I would consider that a severe level. So let's say that's like, um, you know, complete muscle inactivity. They're going to be in a lot of, they won't be in a lot of pain for the pelvic floor issues, but if we compare it to say like a hamstring tear. You know, so there's there's different levels. So I am not a pelvic floor physical therapist, but what I'm doing is I'm looking at the pelvic floor in an orthopedic standpoint. Okay. So if you look at it as being a little weak or a little dysfunctional for maybe uh, causing that SI joint dysfunction, or it helps your diaphragm work correctly. So when you look at athletes that are taxing their diaphragm, so let's say when you're doing your adventure course racing, you have got to have a strong diaphragm to promote proper breathing and contraction of your core to keep everything tight in your body and moving like it should. So if your pelvic floor isn't responding like it should, your diaphragm is probably not responding like it should. So let's say, let's take that backwards. So if a hamstring tear is you need to go see a pelvic floor PT, then it would be, oh man, I just have a little bit of hamstring tightness. So okay. it's on the lower side, but it's still a dysfunction. If that analogy It totally makes sense. That's awesome. Um, and to brought up another thought that I had while you were talking about that. I have a friend who, um, she ended up having pelvic floor prolapse. Is that possible? From mm -hmm. playing, um, instruments in college. She was a college musician and she did not work out and she was not strengthening her pelvic floor. So, um, yeah. And the happening? cool thing about the pelvic floor is the pelvic floor gets stronger with the kinetic chain. So let's say your hips aren't strong and aren't moving like they should that's going to affect pelvic floor strength. So think about um, like you need to dynamically cut to the right, right? You just yeah. had to use your right hip to push. All right. Imagine going for like uh, a backhand on tennis or something, yeah. you know, so you dynamically push to the right. That's right hip muscle. Those hip muscles help to trigger the pelvic floor to work. So you can imagine, think about that elderly person who their butt is tucked under and their hips are very immobile. Yeah. They're not going to be cutting anywhere. They're kind of shuffling straight down the street. Okay, and that is why they're suffering from so much incontinence. So if you look at the hip structure and the hips working properly, they get the pelvic floor to work properly. So your friend who was putting tremendous amounts of force down on her pelvic floor from her diaphragm, but not asking her pelvic floor to work from the bottom up from the kinetic chain probably, you know, played a role in her pelvic organ prolapse. Wow. That's really interesting. And that's, I think that's really interesting too. It's for, really fascinating. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, whenever we first talked about the topic, I thought of the incontinence. That's what I thought of immediately. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation and, and going through all of the different things that could be happening. Cause I feel like now that we talked, 
I've seen this before. Listeners, you're probably thinking, oh, that could be me. So we're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about some of these pelvic floor strengthening exercises. So how are you liking the show? We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review. Just click that review button, leave us some comments, and we appreciate all of your feedback. Back to the Stop Chasing Skinny podcast. So, Sarah, Doctor Sarah, Doctor Duval, um, <laughs> what should um, what should we be doing to take care of our pel- our pelvic floor? Absolutely. So, looking at the pelvic floor is looking at the entire kinetic chain. So, getting your head back in line with your body, the correct posture. When you have a forward head, you have an increased kyphosis in your back and a decreased lumbar curve. All right, so you affect your whole spine, right, when your head comes forward. So that has been shown to increase your risk of incontinence and decrease your pelvic floor strength. Crazy, right, that posture could affect the pelvic floor. (laughs) But posture affects everything. I mean, patients I see shoulder pain, hip pain, um, even foot pain. Like, the first thing I do is get their head back and on with their body um, because you're throwing off the whole way. Think about, like, a misfiring belt in an engine. You know, you're, you're throwing off the entire system when your head comes forward. Um, core strength, proper core strength. So having that dynamic, strong core um, that's not collapsing in the middle. So patients I see that kind of grip with the top of their abdominals yeah. and they kind of pull down instead of coming tall through their abdominal muscles, that can be a risk factor for pelvic floor issues. Uh, like we talk about hip strength, um, dynamic hip strength, being able to move laterally uh, in that transverse plane through the hips is very important. Um, diaphragm function. So oftentimes when people have tight paraspinal, so you think about the muscles that run up and down parallel to your spine, you know, the ones that often feel tight. Yeah. Um, bodybuilders especially tend to have very overworked paraspinals from just lifting heavy weight. Um, so tight paraspinals can shut down proper diaphragm expansion and think about the system as playing off of itself. Think about it like a piston system. So you've got this little pressure chamber or canister that's your abdominal wall. And when your diaphragm expands down on an inhale, your pelvic floor should expand down and then it should recoil back up when the air comes out of your diaphragm. So simply having tight paraspinals can shut down your diaphragm and then that can shut down your pelvic floor. Um, and then taking it one step further, uh, an old ankle injury. So it's kind of crazy, but if your ankle yeah. stops moving how it's supposed to, uh, so not to get too crazy on the anatomy, but get the talus, so where where your leg bone comes down and sits in your ankle, yeah. if that bone is not rotating properly, then it affects all the way up your leg, and then it shuts down hip rotation. And then we already know what happens when you shut down hip rotation, right? So people start getting pelvic floor weakness because usually a whole lot of other symptoms. Wow. And so it's just one piece of the puzzle that's causing maybe somebody's piriformis pain or a hip flexor injury or, you know, IT band syndrome. So every symptom plays, you know, every single problem, every single symptom they're having is, in my book, it's a misalignment issue. Generally, the muscles are firing when they shouldn't be firing or firing more than they should be firing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it all kind of goes together to build a working system. 
Wow. So now we might have listener, we probably do. I know I'm thinking this. Um, we, we might have some listeners sitting here going, oh, wow. Okay. So how do I get in touch with somebody that can help me with this? Because usually what I see is somebody will say injure their ankle. I injured my ankle. I went to the doctor, mm-hmm. she checked it out and she looked at it. Okay. What's the swelling look like? Is there bruising? Is there tenderness? I think you have a deep bone bruise is what she said. Stay off of it. Um, but I mean, really doctors are trained to treat just that one specific thing. So had I not been in this field and know you and things like this and had these conversations, I might just think, Oh, okay. My ankle actually I did think this, my ankle, like, I just have to worry about my ankle. So when do you recommend that people come and see somebody like yourself? How do they see somebody like yourself? Where do they even begin to look? Uh, I, that's a hard question because Western medicine is very much uh, segmental for a lot right. of the treatment because you're looking at insurance reimbursement. So the insurance company wants focus on one body part. It doesn't want you necessarily looking at the entire kinetic chain. It doesn't want you getting somebody's head back in line with their body to help their ankle move better. That's more of an Eastern medicine philosophy, um, treating the whole body. Um, Plus, it takes time and effort. (laughs) Yeah, so I think a lot of it is the blame for just our our Western medicine system and the way it's set up. Because you look at, I mean, orthopedic uh, surgeons, orthopedic physicians, they're so specialized now, you go see the shoulder doctor or you go see the ankle doctor, foot and ankle. You know, you go see the knee doctor. Like nobody is, uh, nobody's integrating in high levels of Western medicine. So you've got to find the out-of-pocket pay, specialized private practice, um, PTs or movement therapists um, that are integrating the whole system, looking at how it functions together. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, that's why I asked that question because I think that listeners, you know, went through all of this stuff with my adrenal health and, um, ended up, you know, out of pocket paying, seeing a functional medicine doctor. Um, and so I, you know, I think that there are, and then a lot of other people who had listened to my show ended up seeing them too. And I think that people, you know, that's why I want to present this show is so that people see what other options are out there. So I think just having Mm -hmm. that knowledge that, Hey, if this happens to me, I should go do this. Um, you know, and, and, and to understand, like, if things aren't getting better, that there are other options other than just relying on um, the traditional method. And because I think that a lot of problems come into play when you hear, okay, well, this one doctor who is brilliant, and don't get me wrong, this, these do- specialists are brilliant, you know, they told me this, but to go get a second opinion from somebody who does more of a holistic approach. So you definitely answered my question in when I said, how would somebody know where to go? Where do they begin? Just by saying that you would look for somebody who is holistic, who is private practice. These are some key words that I think um, you know, I wouldn't have known about other than talking to somebody like yourself. Mm-hmm. And then listen to what people are telling you and don't be afraid to get a second opinion. So, and always ask the question, why? That's what I tell my patients that I'm referring out to other people or helping them find, like you were talking about adrenal fatigue, you know, if I'm helping them find another practitioner to address a different area um, that is not in my wheelhouse, I'm like, use the word why as much as possible. And if they can't tell you why for the treatment, 
If they can't say, I want you to do this ankle exercise, and then you say, why? And they say, well, you know, I don't know. That's just because that's what I was taught in school. That answer's not good enough for me. <laughs> you need to tell Being me why. You need to give me an article. Yeah. You, need to, you need to give me an article. I mean, an argument that is, uh, you know, that's strong enough to convince me that I should do this exercise because I think it's important for a patient to understand everything that's going on and to understand how and what they need to do and the the big picture. I feel like people need to know more about their bodies oh, and not just be given a script for something. Oh. You know, here, take this pill, you'll be fine. So oh, yeah. I think they need to understand um, and you asked me the question of when I recommend people get help. Yeah. So I generally see people after they've been hurt for a while. Of course. Because people <laughs> don't want to spend the money, yeah, yeah. Um, to take right care of there. themselves before it gets bad. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the longer something has been an issue. So I, uh, I saw a dancer yesterday who's a, a Pilates teacher now, and she has had a problem for 20 years. And it has never fully gotten resolved. And so we've just started working on it and she's understanding more about her body and how to fix it and how it all plays together. But it's going to take a long time to fix her because she has so many ingrained habits to correct. Yeah. And so my plea would be to find somebody good and find them before it becomes something that is a long lasting habit. Because like if something's hurt for a week, I can fix it in 10 minutes. If it's hurt for a month, I can fix it in, you know, a couple of days. If it's hurt for a year, I can fix it in a couple of weeks. You know, you kind of look at that exponential. Yeah. A uh, couple decades is a progression. Years. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, like the, how you started talking about the incontinence piece of pelvic floor, like that's, that's your final sign that, you know, that's your final warning sign, like, hey, go get some, and I go get some help. And I use this um, this analogy when I um, have talked to some chiropractors, and I say, like, when I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money, and so I skimped on things like getting my tires rotated. And one day, somebody was like, hey, the belts on your tires are showing, and that's because I continued on with these bad wear patterns to the point where it destroyed mm-hmm. my tires. Um, and so that's kind of how I see like, you know, even like pelvic floor, by the time you experience the incontinence, well, that's because you've been driving around with unbalanced tires for a really long time. Um, you can't just change out your pelvic floor either. You got to do a lot of exercises. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's an, it's interesting system on how it all goes together. Yeah. So we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. We're going to talk about how we can find more information. You've heard me talk a lot about learning how to reach your fitness goals and more frequently how to look as fit as you feel while learning to stop chasing skinny. And you've also thought to yourselves, yeah, I do want to reach my fitness goals in a shorter, more concise way. To stop wasting my time bouncing back and forth from fitness tip to fitness tip in magazines, wasting hours researching the latest and greatest diet, only to end up looking and feeling the same way you've been looking and feeling for years. And my guess is that you've been thinking about this for a long time. Am I right? I know the feeling because I played these games too. For a very long time, in fact. 
I'm here to tell you this. Stop thinking and sign up for the SK Fit Life Challenge, an online training, nutrition, and coaching program that will lead you through 12 weeks of step-by-step guidance to help you finally reach your goals of looking fabulous and feeling fabulous. You're going to get to free up all the headspace you've been wasting, picking through random diet information being fed to you through the media and simplifying the seemingly complicated world of health. Your chances now. Do you really need more time, more information, more plans for the future? Or do you want to become that fit person today? Because the truth is this. You can be that fit person. Or you can be the person that sits around thinking about becoming fitter. It's your choice. Read more magazines, blog posts, and bits and pieces on social media. Or take action. Because let's face it, if you're not where you want to be, your current program is not working out for you. I want you to be successful. And why is this? Because you've already got what it takes. You've been doing the work all along. It's just been the wrong work. You have the desire, the discipline, and the potential. Now let's get you on the right track so those efforts you are already putting in can take you in the best direction possible. Join me and the hundreds of other SK Fit Life clients for the 12-week online fitness challenge at skfitlife.com. All right, now let's get back to the show. Hi, and welcome back to Stop Chasing Skinny podcast. So, Dr. Sarah, Dr. Sarah, I like calling you Dr. Sarah. Can I call you Dr. Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) I like it too. It sounds great. (laughs) Cool. Um, So, Dr. Sarah, um, you mentioned as far as finding articles, writing or um, reading and understanding more, um, one thing that you do a lot of is you write and present at coreexercisesolutions.com, which we will put in the show notes. Um, what kind of information do you put on there? Um, how can people find that information? Yeah, absolutely. So on our website, I've got an article in the public floor. It's got the top uh, five exercises for strengthening your pelvic floor. And like I said, this is not pelvic floor physical therapy. This is past the PT, the past the pelvic floor PT. So this is the orthopedics mix of it all. Um, so some of the things we talked about, I've got great exercise examples to go with those, like how to get your diaphragm functioning, how to get your hips rotating. Uh, so you'll find those there. Oh, I've got a video series um, yeah. that should be available in the next week or two um, on exercises for working on the kinetic chain to strengthen your pelvic floor. So it should be a fun workout series. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll put all of that information in the show notes too. Um, so let's just go through, can we list out those five different um, exercises that you have listed on um, that article? Sure. Um, so if we start at the top, remember we were talking about posture? Yes. Okay, so posture plays an incredible role in your pelvic floor and basically every uh, orthopedic injury. Um, so just doing a posture test um, to find out, um, are you clenching your glutes? How do you hold your posture? Um, do you hang into an anterior tilt? So I've got a whole article on hanging into an anterior tilt um, and then uh, glute checks. So um, it's kind of funny, but you know when you're uh, washing your hands or brushing your teeth at the sink? Yes. Right? And you clench your glutes and then you lean forward and it comes from your lower back. Yes. Or <laughs> you give me a proper hip hinge like a deadlift where your <laughs> hips move backwards and you allow your glutes to each and three lengthen. So if we look at how someone moves their hips through the day, I'm going to see someone uh, with piriformis pain, um, hamstring strains, things like that. They're more likely to be glute clenchers. 
So they're more, instead of doing a proper hip hinge for activities throughout their entire day that gives them the opportunity to strengthen their glutes naturally, they will clench their glutes when they're standing in line, when they're, you know, anytime. And maybe just one glute, they'll tend to hold it tight. And that will be the hip they have the most pain in. So getting people just to be more aware of how they're holding their body tight, how they're overworking areas. Um, So squeeze your glutes and let them go. A muscle needs to be able to lengthen and elongate to be able to get stronger. So if you hold something in a tight, shortened position, like clenching your glutes, you're going to make it weaker. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And the next one is forward head alignment. So um, talking about the posture. So there's a forward head alignment test. And then the third one is a breathing test. So using balloons to overload your diaphragm. Um, So I had the coolest um, marathon patient um, where this person had um, just a chronic injury, a muscle strain. And they could blow up a balloon fine when they went into the anterior tilt. And we're talking about your paraspinal being tight. But when I put them in a more diaphragm intensive position where they weren't allowed to cheat from the paraspinal, they could not blow up a balloon. Really? So this was a marathon runner that could not blow up a balloon when I asked the proper abdominal muscles to work. Wow. So you're like, okay, well, no wonder you're chronically injuring yourself because you're coming from the wrong place when you run. You're using muscles to stabilize that shouldn't be stabilizers. Yeah. So when we fixed and got this person stabilizers firing, within two weeks, they were 50% better. And this is an injury that had been bothering them for years. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. It's really (laughs) cool when you just naturally get parts of the body firing like they should. Yeah. Um, so that's what I just find. Usually things are, things just kind of get a little out of whack. I don't know, maybe it's because we sit at desks. Maybe it's because we use computers. Maybe, you know, it's how we're not climbing trees now and, and, um, you know, doing outside crazy things like we used to running away from wild animals. <laughs> so, I completely um, agree. <laughs> and then number four is, uh, exercising your core. All right. So getting a nice strong core. Um, and then number five is working your mid back. Um, getting proper scapula strength because uh, remember that increased kyphosis hunch forward posture has been shown to cause pelvic floor issues. So making sure you have a strong mid-back to support um, proper proper spinal curves and posture strength. That's awesome. Yeah, um, definitely check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes because that's really great information. I feel like it's something that I see Every day, I'm guilty of some of it myself, but part of it is just not <laughs> knowing, right? Like, yeah, no, if you absolutely. don't know, you just go through your regular day, and then all of a sudden, you end up like peeing your pants, and you're like, "Oh, hey, what happened?" <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. And having a baby is not necessarily a risk factor for pelvic floor issues. I mean, I know that's crazy to sound, but I think not squatting enough. And sitting at desk is more of a risk factor for long-term public floor health. That is quotable. So. <laughs> That's great. But yes, yeah, so we all need to squat more because squatting opens up the bottom of your pelvis. Yeah. And remember how we talked about a muscle, for a muscle to get stronger, it has to lengthen first. That's so a really, really deep squat really opens the bottom of your pelvis, allows your pelvic floor, allows your hip muscles to elongate, and then get stronger. Yeah. 
I'm totally putting a picture of you too because like for anybody who thinks that squatting makes you bulky or anything like that, they'll see that no, no, it doesn't. It just makes you really fit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and you look at some of these third world countries where people are squatting and laying on the bus, they squat and eat. Uh, they don't have a lot of these chronic orthopedic problems that we have here in Western society. So, you know, it's an interesting uh, anthropological take on what's causing all of our injuries. Yeah, let's talk about that for two seconds, too. So when I think of squatting, I think a lot of listeners, I don't know, maybe it's my experience with kind of the bodybuilding world and all of that and strength. And, um, you know, we picture loading up our backs with a bar um, and doing squatting in that way. So you're really talking about just squatting with your I'm talking about a resting squat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking about resting. Like just to most people, I mean, especially bodybuilders that have the super tight pair of spinals aren't going to be able to rest until squat. They're going to feel like they're falling over backwards. Yeah. So even just, yeah, just squatting down and just holding that position. If you were to um, tell the listeners, like, hey, this is a good point to start, how, how long would you tell somebody to do that? Because I know when I hear something like that, I'm like, oh, squat more. Okay, like, what does that look like? Oh, well, uh, so um, I'm not a big fan of stretching. Yep, okay. Okay, so a lot of people will, I think stretching covers up problems, and then you end up getting worse in the long run. I've treated a lot of yoga practitioners. Okay. <laughs> um, for pretty severe orthopedic issues because they feel a little better in the short term with the stretching and then their injury keeps progressing and getting worse. Um, so when you look at being able to do a squat, if you feel like you're going to fall backwards, there is steps that you need to take and that is specific to the individual. So is the, is the tension or the shortness coming from your glutes but coming from your calves? You know, where where is it coming from your pelvic floor? Where is the restriction coming from that's preventing you from getting down on the squat, and that's going to come from an individual assessment. Wow, that's really good. <laughs> really, really good. Um, I like this. I like this no easy answers because that's, it kind of sums up, you know, you just you have to know, like you said, you have to know more about your body. I feel like we know everything about what our favorite sports teams are like buying stuff or how cars work for some guys, like things like that, but we don't really know how our bodies work. So this is, this is really great. Mm -hmm. So I will um, put my laptop up on our ottoman in the living room and I'll squat down and kind of lean back on the couch and then I'll type and that is, you know, I'll do that for 10 minutes or so and then I'll get up and put it in a standing place and uh, the benefits of having a laptop, uh, you can move around. So I'd recommend starting there, you okay. know, find a, find a place where you can, you know, spend a few minutes a day squatting where you normally wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I, 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 when I come home every day to see the dogs, I specifically squat down and get on their level. Um, you know, and I mean, that's been fun for parents who have kids, like, you know, yeah. instead of just sitting on the floor, like squat down and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I even see parents that don't get on the floor at all, which <laughs> as adults, I think we should spend more time on the floor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think we should. But then you look at the chronic orthopedic pain and, you know, people with plantar fasciitis that have really tight posterior chain through their calves and the bottom of their feet. It's difficult to get down in the squatting position or knee pain or hip pain. Yeah. So. That's true. And those are, those are problems that we've had from not doing enough of the right stuff earlier on. So that's the equivalent of ending up peeing your pants. 
I'm not like making mm-hmm. fun of like it's just it's crazy yeah, how no, that's it's, like your but it's something flag. that needs to be talked about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. there was the big uh, the big CrossFit uh, you know push that came out about that's oh, normal to pee under uh, you know under load and it's it's not normal. <laughs> that's okay. So let's talk about that. So a that should bit. not yeah. be the message that they're putting out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is so, not a good thing. That's yeah. like saying, oh, it's normal for your shoulder to hurt when you do kipping push ups, um, pull ups. No, it's not normal. <laughs> not normal. This is not a badge of honor. Peeing your pants, not a badge of honor. Um, yeah, yes, so not a badge of honor. <laughs> let's talk about that just real quick because um, most listeners here are not CrossFitters. I'll just say, I mean, because. CrossFit is its own special um, uh, culture and way of exercising. Oh, good. So there's very few people I can offend here. That's good. All right. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to actually – yeah, we're just – I and I mean, as a physical therapist, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I have heard maybe a physical therapist or two saying, thank you, CrossFit. You keep me in business because they hurt people. Um, so, you know, to Well, each- and now to not <laughs> – to not really put CrossFit down, everything hurts people. Right. This is this is true. I've and just, CrossFit is a sport. So when yeah. people do sports, they get hurt because they it gets competitive and they push beyond uh, the point where they're listening to their bodies. Yeah. yeah. And then they hurt themselves. They're not building slow bases. They're not working with a trainer who's building a program for them who lets start slow and build your body up without hurting it. They're you know they're competitive. Yeah. Well, so I think I, that happens in any competitive realm. I see it happening in life too. Moms are some of the most competitive people that I know. So sometimes I do see, um, you know, where what do you somebody, mean? I have no idea what you're talking you about. Regret, no, <laughs> <laughs> but I will see some people, um, you know, just finding their favorite workouts online or, um, on, they're not actually working with a the trainer. They're piecing it together from Pinterest or something like that. And they'll end up hurting themselves because, they're not working with a trainer and they're going too hard too fast. But um, kind of back to the, you know, the, the CrossFit thing where, you know, you you look at somebody who does CrossFit and they are very strong, but um, it's also there in some areas they're very weak. And I could say this too because I'm the same way. You might look at my body and think that I'm really strong, but like I know that I have weak hips in some areas because I worked so long Mm -hmm. to make myself look stronger. So since like 2012 or so, I decided I wanted to be as strong as I looked. Um, So, so kind of back to the CrossFit thing where, you know, you do see somebody who can put up that kind of weight, but they have a weak pelvic floor. They're creating lots of imbalances. Yeah. And those people tend to be the hardest ones to fix because their body is just, it's made a profession out of compensating. (laughs) That's so you've almost got to yeah. backtrack to the point where you where you take away all the cheaters. Yeah. Which if you're so strong, I mean, if I have a really weak person, let's say I got a six-year-old woman and she's not worked out a day in her life and she considers walking a half-mile exercise, it is going to be so easy to fix her because she doesn't have any compensation patterns built up yet. Yeah. But I have that athlete that's the marathon runner or the crossfitter or, you know, the, the whatever, and they are going to be harder to fix because their body says, oh, I can do that. Yeah. And they're cheating all over the place, but you know what? They're doing it. Yep. They're just not doing it how they should be doing it. (laughs) Yeah. We need to spend more time together. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's not just, um, I, I think this is, you know, my point about this is that's why it's always important to find a professional. Um, I see a lot of people trying to go it alone all the time in every area and, 
you know, going it alone can actually end up um, resulting in a lot more issues um, at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, working with somebody who's making sure you're firing what you're supposed to be firing to do that exercise because the more athletic and the stronger somebody is, generally the better cheater they are. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm At guilty. least that's what I found. No, I'm guilty. So, totally guilty. <laughs> yeah, the higher the higher level athlete I've worked with, the uh, the the better they are at compensating. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So we will put all of this information in the show notes if you've been listening to this while you've been driving or something like that. And thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. 